Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Bucko Booth. My name is Benson Fector, and I'll be the host on your show today. It's officially the off-season. 2018 Pittsburgh Pirates season has ended with them having a record of 82-79, and finishing with their first winning season since 2015, and just their fourth since 1992. Some people may call it a good season. Some people may be disappointed. But overall, there are improvements we made heading into 2019 as the Pirates look to win their sixth World Series title. Now, I told you last week that I'd still do weekly awards because there still were games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so let's dive right into that. Our weekly awards are uh, very short. Um, so let's go. Play of the week is to Josh Bell. by 143 this week, one for seven a home run, and an RBI. And I know what you're thinking. Why is Josh Bell your player of the week? Well, I was looking through the stats, and only the highest RBI tour for any player was one. So I figured, hey, Josh Bell hit a dinger. You know, it was nice for him to go back-to-back with Starling Marte. Um, heading into 2019, the Pirates are going to need to see a lot more power out of Josh Bell if they plan to be legitimate contenders. Josh Bell in his rookie season hit 25-plus home runs. The Pirates are going to need that same Josh Bell if they want to be contenders for a minimal lineup. The pitching staff is there. Josh Bell and others need to step up with their power because ultimately winning teams hit home runs. The Pirates need to hit more home runs in order to be successful. We've talked about this a lot. It's a theme. That's why the Pirates fired Jeff Branson and Jeff Lizzie. The Pirates need to hit more home runs, plain and simple, and I'm happy that Josh Bell finished his season hitting a dinger. They will catapult him into 2019. Pitcher of the week goes to Felipe Vasquez. He pitched two innings in two of the two, of the two games, got a save, no hits, no runs, striking out four and no walks. I mean, what can you say? The nightmare was nightmarish against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, loved what I saw from him this season, you know. There were hiccups in May. People thought he might need Tommy John. There was injury concerns. But Felipe Vasquez showed he's one of the elite pitchers in baseball, the premier closer in baseball, time and time again. And I just I want to point out that Neil Huntington, for those of you that don't like him, he turned Mark Melanson into Felipe Vasquez and Keone Cullen. Trust Neil Huntington. I'm telling you. Fantastic GM. Um, I love him. Rookie of the week goes to Colin Moran, 250 hours, 204 at-bats, and he, I believe, had a double in his one at-bat. But, you know, Colin Moran, a very solid rookie season. We've talked about this a lot on the show. His power did not translate to the major leagues, but he still has time. He's a very young ball player. He seems to have the third base spot locked down for the future unless the Pirates decide to bring back Jung Ho Gong. It could be another platoon situation for Colin Moran which I wouldn't be opposed to, but overall very impressed from the young left, left-handed left swinging red-bearded third baseman. Uh, fantastic work for him. Um, and he also won our glove of the week this week. Uh, in four tour chances, he had three assists that put out uh, part of two double plays, no errors. Um, Colman gets knocked a lot for his Lack of range, and that is true. He's not a very speedy guy. He doesn't have much range at the hawk corner, but he is the most accurate throw I've ever seen in my life at their base, which makes up for that. 
I mean, Pedro Alvarez, when we used to have him, he wasn't very rangy either, and he also couldn't throw. We see what happened to him, right? So, Comran is... I don't know if you can improve his range. Maybe you improve with a little bit of defensive metrics, try to get a step better here and there. But overall, a very solid rookie season for Colin Moran. Um, I'm liking the Garrett Coltrane more and more as each day passes. I mean, Joe Musgrove and Colin Moran. And, you know, if Michael Police can turn him on next season, looking like the makings of a very solid trade, another solid trade by our fantastic general manager, Neil Huntington. Now, we've done weekly awards for, what is this, week 14, for all 13 weeks, and it's finally the end of the 2018 season. So I want to do yearly awards, you know. Give it, I did this on my uh, Instagram account, but, you know, do MVP, Cy Young, Rookie, Gold Glove. So without further ado, if you've probably seen it on my Instagram account, but if you haven't, let's talk. So MVP, season MVP goes to Josh Bell, 261 average. 12 home runs, 63 RBIs. If Gregory Blanca did not get hurt, he would have easily won this award. But Gregory Blanca did get hurt. Josh Bell has played a lot of games this season, and that's why at the end of the day, I'm giving him this award. He worked a had a very high on base percentage um, in his 148 games played. Let me see what his OVP was. Uh, a 357 OVP. Yes, a 261 average is low. Yes, the 12 home runs and 63 RBIs are low, but he works good at bats. He got on base a lot. He scored a lot of runs. In fact, he scored 74 runs, which I believe is second on the team. Third on the team to Starling Marquez Gregory Blanco. So, yes, Josh Bell did have notable struggles, but he turned it on in September, and it's going to catapult into 2019. Our Cy Young of the Year goes to Felipe Vasquez, the Nightmare. In 70 innings pitch, he pitched 70 games, has had a record of 4-2, 37 saves and 42 opportunities for third of the National League, allowing 62 hits, 24 runs, 21 of which were earned, walked 24, struck out 89, a 2.70 ERA and a 1.22 whip. And those were with some struggles in May, too. So um, I expect just... More of the same, if not better, from Felipe Vasquez next year with the lockdown 10, you know, Vasquez 9, Kella 8, Crick 7. Uh, Richard Rodriguez can be that middle relief guy. And, you know, you get Michael Feliz going, you get Stephen Bolt going. That, that's a shark tank, you know. It can match up with any bullpen in the league, and that's why I think the Pirates are going to have a chance, a legitimate chance to compete in 2019. Rookie of the year goes to Colin Moran, a 277 average 11 home runs and 58 RBIs. Again, uh, we've noted his power struggles. But overall, there's no other rookie that you can pick out of the Pittsburgh Pirates as our rookie of the year. I debated whether to pick Richard Rodriguez, and he had a fine rookie campaign. But Colin Moran was out there. See how many games he played, because it was sure a lot. He played uh, 144 games, getting uh, 415 at-bats. That's a solid rookie season. He was out there almost on a daily basis, did not get hurt. And if it wasn't for the David Freeze platoon situation, he would have played upwards of 150 games. But yes, David Freeze was there. Yes, he platooned for him. And that cost him some at-bats. But overall, a fine season. I love the average. I think the power will continue to grow. And overall, a lot of good stuff from Colin around the season as we build 
into next. Gold Glove of the Year goes to Jamison Tyone. 32 total chances, 23 assists. So that's nine putouts, two double plays, and no errors. Okay. You might be asking, Benson, why in the world is a pitcher winning your gold glove? I'll give you the answer. Pirates pitchers struggled this year. Throwing so the league-leading wild pitch toll. If I can pull that up real quick. It's upward. I believe it's around 100, if I'm not mistaken. But it just wasn't pretty. Our overall uh, defensive metrics as pitchers weren't pretty. But Jameson Town was one of the few that was actually solid in that department. The Pirates uncorked 95 wild pitches this season to lead the league. And our pitching defense was also not that good. But Jameson Tyone proved this year that he's the ace of that rotation and proved that he's not a liability with the glove. And I'm sure he won gold glove pitcher for the National League. Should be a finalist, maybe. But overall, I'm very pleased with what I saw with Jameson Tyone on the mound with his glove. Um, and he proved this season. I mean, his last 22 starts, he didn't allow more than three on runs. That's solid, Jameson Tyone, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for you as he's very young, and uh, I would not be surprised if we try to lock him up this uh, this offseason because he's the ace of the staff. He's going to be the workhorse, leading the boys into the future. You know, Jameson Tyone at the top, but either Trevor Williams and Chris Archer as number two, you know, Joe Musgrove as the four, Ivan Nova as the five. So make him to a very solid rotation, and I like to call them the Monstars, you know. <laughs> this is – they're going to be a force. That's all I'm going to say. They are going to be a force next season, and I am so excited for 2019. But that's in February, and we've got a lot of off-season topics to discuss, a lot of moves to make. Talking about the top free agent shortstop options for the Pirates. Is Jordy Mercer the best fit? With the off-season a little over a month away, the Pittsburgh Pirates – have some needs to fill. It can't be another offseason in which Neil Huntington doesn't sign a single player to a major league contract. Well, Adam Powell's alive can be considered a huge priority. Adding a veteran shortstop to the mix should be pretty high on the list as well. This much we know. The Pirates will not be involved in discussions to land Manny Machado. After Machado, though, the free agent shortstop class is very weak. That's why it would be a good idea for the Bucks to make a play to bring back Jordan Mercer. The idea looks like it's for Kevin Newman to be the starter heading this spring training. And while the numbers didn't look great in Newman's trial run at the end of the season, the game started to slow down for him, and he started to look more comfortable by season's end. Overall, after a productive AAA season, Newman hit just for a 209 average, a 247 OBP, a 231 slugging, and 97 plate appearances at the MLB level. The team will need a better backup to mentor Newman along the way or even step in as the starter if Newman falters. Mercer could be the best of the available bunch. If Huntington can't acquire a capable veteran shortstop on the trade market, here's a look at the best of a weak free agent class the Pirates will have to choose from. So let's highlight our first potential guy. And that's Mercer. He had a 1.1 war. The thing about Mercer is the Pirates know what they have in him and are comfortable with him. Obviously, they aren't comfortable enough to pay him $6 million plus, but if Mercer could be had for 2 to $3 million for next season, 
It wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. He could fill the Clinton Barmas role for Newman that Barmas filled very professionally for Mercer. Mercer would be open to a return, but also is going to test the market. If he can get an offer for more money and more playing time elsewhere, he should take it. He's earned that. Offensively, Mercer wasn't terrible in 2018 as he put up his typical Mercer-like numbers of a 251 average, 315 WP, 381 slugging. If Mercer is anything, he's consistent as he owns a career line of a 256 average, 316 WP, 381 slugging. The issue with Mercer wasn't necessarily his bat, but he really lost a step defensively. Mercer had a DOS of minus nine this season. To put it in perspective, in 2014, hit a DOS of plus nine. So that's an 18-run swing for the worst in four seasons. That's worrisome, but if Mercer didn't have to play every day, he makes some sense to bring back at the right price. Let's take a look at our next option. Um, Jose Iglesias had a 2.5 war. Iglesias is the best of the available bunch. Once you get past the idea that the Pirates aren't signing Manny Machado or Elvis Andres, he can opt out of the four years and $58 million remaining on his contract, which is doubtful. Iglesias already posted a farewell message on his Instagram, all but assuring his stint with the Tigers is over. If the Pirates want, were to have any interest in Iglesias, and it's doubtful they will, it would be as a starter and keep Newman as the backup. Iglesias is coming off a decent year in which he hit for a 269 average, a 310 OBP, and a 389 slugging, and 125 games for the Tigers. Like Mercer, Iglesias isn't anything spectacular with a bat in his hand, but he's consistent in the numbers he puts up. The big value in Iglesias, though, comes with his glove. The problem the pods will face is Iglesias will be looking for a raise from the $6.3 million he made in 2018, and that likely doesn't make him a target for the Bucks. But the Pirates must improve their infield defense, and that would happen with a guy like Iglesias. However, the weak shortstop class of free agents should alone should drive his price out of the Pirates' range. So who is our next guy? Next guy would be uh, Freddie Galvis, a 0.6 war. Talk about reliable. For the second consecutive season, Galvis started 160, 162 games. And while he wasn't great, he was steady for the Padres in 2018. He posted a 248 average, a 299 MVP, and a 380 slugging line, while hitting 13 homers and driving in 67 runs. Galvis made $6.8 million this season and is looking for a multi-year deal, which likely could come from the Padres. Theoretically, San Diego could also throw a qualifying offer at Gallus, which would surely keep other teams away from him. Again, the dollar figure and the commitment will keep the Pirates away from Galvis. Galvis is a gold glove caliber shortstop, but one that is also in the Pirates' price range. Let's take a look at our next guy. <clears throat> Danny Echeverria, a 0.4 war. If there's one guy on the list who the Pirates might target, it could be Echeverria. After a couple weeks stint in Pittsburgh, he's currently playing for the Yankees in the postseason, but will be looking for a job at season's end. In 47 play appearances in Pittsburgh, Echeverria hit for a 233 average, a 277 OBP, and a 395 slugging. And owns a career line of a 254 average, a 290 OBP, and a 345 slugging. 
Like most of the other guys, Echeverria is known more for his glove as he has a combined VRS of plus 26 the past four years, although that number has slid to a plus three this season. Echeverria made $5 million this season and probably won't be looking to take on too much of a pay cut. Who is the next guy on the list? That would be Alcides Escobar had a negative 0.7 war for the Royals. Escobar rounds out the list of the best available shortstops, and now at 32, he's not having a good season, hitting just for a 231 average, 279 WP, 313 slugging. Escobar barely runs anymore, so there's not much value there. And this is once excellent defense is taking a step back, as he had a DRS of a whopping negative 12 this season, eventually landing him on the bench. Sally, though, there's not many better options out there, so he's a guy I would suspect the Pirates will look at. Mercer, though, at least on paper, is likely the Pirates' best option, since they try and retain him. If not, I wouldn't touch any of these guys. If I'm Huntington, it's either Mercer or I'm trading for a veteran shortstop. That's what Neil Huntington is going to have to do this offseason. Let's take a look at replacing Edgar Santana. The 2018 Pittsburgh Pirates season has been over for a little less than a week, but it's never too early to think about 2019. One question will be about how the club will go about replacing one of their go-to relievers. Edgar Santana had Tommy John surgery in September, and it ended a season in which he posted a 3.26 ERA in 69 games. A fine rookie season, but he'll now be out until 2020, and he'll be 28 years old, and the future becomes more muggy than it was entering the year. Earlier this week, I looked at how Kevin Rosenthal would be one potential option in which the Pirates could replace the right-hander in 2019. Rosenthal, coming off Tommy John surgery himself, has been an effective reliever with high strikeout rates in his career. Adding him in free agency would certainly strengthen an already strong back end and provide three traditional closers. That's what the New York Yankees presently have in Britain, Chapman, and Robertson. Baseball has transitioned into more of a bullpen game than a starter goes seven or eight, so creating a bullpen with depth, multiple back-end guys, is important. Kyle Crick, Keone Kella, and Felipe Vasquez represent three guys, key guys, and Richard Rodriguez posted a strikeout rate of 31.1%. There's the beginnings of a similar bullpen to the Yankees. The Pirates have a hole to fill. If they miss out on Rosenthal, there are still other options who could fit. While pitchers such as Craig Kimbrell and Zach Britton, two established names and closer types, would be the best options, they'll command more than what the Pirates have shown they're comfortable with. Such as Adam Adovino, Will, 33 years of age, had Tommy John in 2015, and David Robertson, will be 34, represent much more reasonable price power arms. But they'll let too likely not fit what the Pirates are comfortable with. Like usual, it'll have to come from either within players who will earn a high rate on the open market. Starting next week, I'll be reviewing performances of prospects, and there will be some players who could fill a bullpen slot and a free agent is likely the best option to fill the void. The one free agent outside of Rosenthal that should be intriguing is Sergio Romo. Where Rosenthal would slide into the 7th or 8th and pair with Kella to play matchups to get to Vasquez, Romo would bump Rodriguez up. After posting a 2.64 ERA in 2016, Romo has 
followed that with ERAs of 3.56 and 4.14. He was also a key in the race use of an opener. Getting Romo out of the AL East, Sands Baltimore, should help in regards to efficiency and runs allowed. The strikeout rate for his career is 28%, but the last two years has been around 26%. While the strikeout rate has decreased, it's still seven percentage points higher than Santana's was. Romo doesn't have to be a back-end piece with Keller and Vasquez. The Pirates should let Crick and Rodriguez factor into that. But Romo does have value. But there could be more to Romo than the ERA and the strikeout rate. His deserved run average, or DRA, was 2.80 this year. 2.99 in 2017 and 2.34 in 2016. So while the ERA indicated Romo is getting worse than before, his metrics remain solid and the strikeouts are still at an above average rate. For reference, Crick struck out around 25% of batters. While Rosenthal could be one option and the one I would prefer, Romo would still be an excellent move. It wouldn't be the move, but a nice little wrinkle to have in creating good arms in the bullpen. I think Sergio Romo is fitting very nicely in Pittsburgh. I obviously want the Pirates to go after Trevor Rosenthal. Romo is also a good secondary option. So I want to do something on the show each week where I do a player report card. You know, grade their 2018 season. How are these guys doing? And the first guy I want to talk do on the show is Josh Harrison. And Harrison made some noise in the offseason requesting a trade. And it would have made sense for the Pirates to trade him then. As throughout a miserable 2018 season, Harrison's value plummeted to next to nothing. After a decent two weeks left to start the season, Harrison missed a little over five weeks after he was plunked in the hand by a Jose Urania fastball, resulting in a fractured fifth metacarpal in his left hand, the same injury that ended his 2017 season a month early. Once Harrison returned, he wasn't very good with the bat or the glove for the rest of the season. Just how bad was Harrison in 2018? Let's take a look at his offense. Harrison never was much of a get-on-base kind of guy, but he was terrible in that department in 2018, posting a woeful 293 OBP. That's not a – you're hearing that correctly. In 374 plate appearances, Harrison managed an on-base percentage of under 300. His overall line was a – 250 average, a 293 MVP, and a 363 slugging was just as disappointing, all of which were the worst numbers of Harrison's career once he started getting regular at-bats. One thing that always endured Harrison to many Pirates fans was his hustle, but he wasn't able to use that much as he only had 13 doubles and one triple on the season, also career-worst numbers. The fact that he was never able to develop a sense for the strike zone was a killer as his K rate jumped to 18.6% after posting 16.6 and 14.6 numbers the past two seasons. Coincidentally, the walk rate, which was never good to begin with, dropped to 4.8% from 5.2 last year. Once he started struggling, Harrison started pulling the ball a lot more, 45.9% of the time, which was the highest number he posted in his MLB career. Harrison posted a WRC plus of just 78 as the entire season didn't go his way. Let's take a look at his defense. Typically a solid defender at any position across the diamond, the 2018 season wasn't good for Harrison with the glove either. After posting a DRS of plus six in 2017, 
Harrison was at minus two in that department this season. That's an eight-run swing from one season to the next. He was credited with just six errors on the season, which is a little generous, but either way, Harrison had issues getting two and fewer in the baseball. His overall grade. In my preseason predictions, I said Harrison would be the biggest Pirates disappointment in 2018. If he wasn't that, then he should be in the conversation. He's never put back-to-back solo seasons together, and that was the case this season as he was just a 0.3 war player, the least valuable season of his career. That's a three-win decrease from 2017, something this Pirates team really couldn't afford. It got to the point that Harrison ended up losing the job on the strike as the Jay Havers backed in September. I'm a Harrison fan, as he's one of the more genuine players I've ever seen. But he's just not doing much for me as a player right now. There's no way in the world the Pirates should pick up this option for next season, which means Harrison will be looking for a new home. Hopefully, in this case, you'll have a better go of things in 2019, because the 2018 season should be one to forget for Harrison, as his final letter grade for me, absolutely terrible season for Josh Harrison. If Neil Huntington has the audacity to exercise the, uh, the player option, team option, I'll be so upset. Adam Frazier is clearly the second baseman for 2019, and it shouldn't be anything but that. Adam Frazier needs to be the starting second baseman, and he proved that he's capable of doing that down the stretch in September. Plain and simple. I mean, we talked all about on the show today about our shortstop and what our needs are going to be there. Um, as I said, bring back Jordy Mercer or trade for a veteran shortstop. That's what I want. I want the Pirates to sign Trevor Rosenthal, too. The three key things for me for the Pirates 2000, well, I guess it would be the 2019 offseason. I don't know what you'd call it. 2018 offseason. Bringing back Jordy Mercer, number one. Number two, signing Trevor Rosenthal. And number three, letting Josh Harrison go. If we do those three things, I think we'll be golden for 2019. I really do. The pieces are there. We're ready to roll. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for the 2019 Best Pirates. I really am. And I really think 2019 could be the year. In all honesty, too. Good teams are built on the basis of pitching. And the Pirates have that pitching. They have the best pitching that I ever remember them having. Even through our playoff years, we did not have this caliber pitching. If we did, we would have won the World Series already. Pirates fans want a winner. They deserve a winner. 2019 should be a special year. And we are so ready for it. We are so ready for a magical season. Pirates fans have been waiting their whole lives for this, unless they're, you know, generations have passed since our last World Series. Fans born, you know, Team 70 on. I mean, we don't remember World Series championships. I mean, I'm 17 years old. Of course I don't remember a World Series championship in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wants a championship. Pittsburgh desires a championship. 
Pittsburgh will win a championship in 2019. And I'm saying that with complete confidence. This team, you better jump on because they're going to be something special. They're going to be a force to reckon with. Come 2019. We're going to shock the world. We're going to shock a lot of people. You just wait for it. Wait and see. And hop on now before it's too late. All right, that's going to do that. We'll wrap up our show on that note. Uh, I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in to another fantastic edition of Bucko Boost. Again, my name is Benson Spike. I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in live, archived on whatever platform, Blog Talk Radio, um, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, I, I don't know. Any of the podcast platforms, I appreciate it. Um, I, I love doing this with you guys. So we'll see you again next Saturday. And let me check something. So just as a brief note, the surprise cigars, the 2000, the Pirates, uh, there's an Folly team. I'm going to be uh, covering them on my uh, Instagram account. So uh, you all, uh, Give a follow to Bucks Dugout if you want Surprise Saguaros coverage. Also, you know, Player of the Week, Pitch of the Week, all that for the Surprise Saguaros. Because, hey, I want to watch my Buccos uh, dominate and surprise Arizona. Hope you all have a great week. Pittsburgh, beautiful weather this weekend. Get outside. It, it's something special. You know, 80 degrees all this weekend, all next week. Better get outside because winter is coming. Um, should I sign up? Let's go Yankees in the playoffs. Give it for Cutch Walker, Hop, and Echeverria. And we'll see you all on Saturday. Have a great week, everybody. As always, uh, let's go Bucks.